I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here and joining us to look ahead to the weekend's action is Murray Kinsler of the 42. Murray, how are you? Great, Gav. How are you? I'm flying, yeah. How's your week been? Nice. I've been enjoying the really surprisingly pleasant weather and it's kind of nice. The men's Six Nations obviously ended last weekend, but we're into a new Six Nations as well. I'm loving the distinct window for the women's comp and the increased focus and attention as we're going to discuss on, on this pod, I suppose, it's it's great to to see it. And, and I'm looking forward to finding out how this New Ireland team pitches up. Yeah, that's one thing that struck me after the Men's Six Nations was you feel as though there's going to be like a void in your life after such an <laughs> enjoyable tournament. And it's like, oh God, what, what do I have to look forward to next? I guess URC or Champions Cup or whatever. But there is something special about the Six Nations. And the fact that the women's competition is right on the back of it. Uh, just filled me with joy. I think, it, like, I knew it was on the horizon, if you know what I mean. But I think it was like watching the last Ireland game on Virgin Media and they're forward selling it, and it's literally a week later. I was like, "That's the job!" Like, you know, <laughs> pretty mm. much another Six Nations. Then that that sounds good. Um, we will chat about the uh, well Ireland Six Nations prospects under Greg McWilliams in a moment. But just as we we're coming online, Leinster's team and Connacht's team named for the weekend's URC clash. Anything that stood out to you about either team and what are you thinking about this game? Because it feels as though we're going to be speaking about these two provinces quite a lot in the next few weeks. And yet this URC game is so important for Connacht, to be honest. Um, Mm. It feels, I don't know, is it fair to say it almost feels as big as the Champions Cup game? You know, like it's on paper, I guess it's equally important in terms of what comes next or or if you win it, what's possible afterwards. Absolutely. They're outside the playoff places as things stand heading into the weekend as as we speak. Andy Friend reckons they'll have to win four of their last five regular season games and that includes a tour down to South Africa. And as we've seen, that is not a, an easy place to win given conditions and the increasing strength of the South African side. So Connacht have their backs against the wall, absolutely. And as they start this run of five regular season games remaining, they've they've got to start really well. On top of that, they're trying to bounce back from what they've admitted themselves was an embarrassing capitulation against Edinburgh. We we spoke about it in depth, and Birch had some really interesting words on the on the members pod about you know how Connacht might look at that and and some of the disappointing aspects of it mentally, I suppose. But here here we go, a chance to to bounce back fresh. They've had a, a bit of a breather. They've had a chance to review it, talk about their lack of cohesion that day, and as you say. It's absolutely pivotal that they're they're in Europe again, that they're at the top table, that they're in the playoffs in the URC competing and not feeling like they're taking a backward step as a province. There's new signings coming in this summer. There's optimism there. But yeah, you want to get into those those top eight spots and, and it's going to be a, a tough one to start. Leinster, as we know, are consistently excellent and strong. They've put out a, a really like excellent 23. Obviously, there's a number of Ireland internationals who are still on their down weeks and you're seeing stuff from Las Vegas and all over the world as they recover and recuperate. But uh, it's a really strong Leinster side and and Connacht are, are boosted by having a couple of guys back, including Jack Carty, obviously. So it's shaping up to be an absolute brilliant URC battle. It really is. Uh, let's zoom in then and look at the out-half battle specifically. I know it's a bit obvious to start without half. Sometimes it's like the quarterback position, isn't it? Everybody kind of goes there. But it is actually a really interesting showdown, if you like, on a 
not a personal basis, but on a, an individual basis between Jack Carty and Ross Byrne. I was talking to you just before we came on and I was saying that if I think people feel as though the one, two, three with Ireland is established. Johnny Sexton being number one, Joey Carberry being his established backup now. I think certainly Andy Farrell sees it that way. And I would have thought that Jack Carty is pretty secure in the number three slot and, and probably trying to uh, trying to overthrow Carberry at two. You kind of disagree with that. And in fairness, Ross Byrne has been playing exceptionally well. And it's a chance for him to actually put the foot down a little bit and, or put the hand up, so to speak, and remind people what he can do. I think a lot of Leinster fans, a lot of Irish rugby fans actually don't need that reminder, but more so in a one-on-one basis or in a one-on-one game like this, you can look better than the other guy and basically make a statement and say, I deserve to be there, not Jack Carty or even Joey Carberry. Mm. I do think that Ross Burney is a bit of a forgotten man in some in some quarters with uh, with Ireland. It's kind of been written off now, I suppose. Having been in the mix, Billy Burns was in the mix, Harry Byrne was in the mix. Now it's Jack Carty's turn to be that number three. And I think absolutely deserved. We spoke about it even before the Six Nations. It would have been great to see him even get more opportunity, which he, he didn't get, but was very visible around the squad, even running tees and, and being on the sideline and, and being part of the 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 squad effort um but i wonder in in farrell's mind in my cat's mind in the heck in the assistant coach's minds where they're really settled on on their one two three it's always great to have a, a number of people battling for that that final spot but looking ahead to to new zealand tour it's gonna be fascinating to see who gets those opportunities they're bringing a slightly bigger squad obviously of 40 42 so there is going to be space for a, a, a third out half maybe even a fourth to to genuinely part of of the squad and, and get game time in those midweek matches. So I think these head-to-heads, well, listen, it, it's a collective sport, absolutely. They're tasked with driving their teams around the pitch and others around them make their lives much more easier, much more difficult, particularly up front. But it is an, an interesting matchup in, in that regard. And Byrne, Ross Byrne has been playing really excellent rugby, probably slightly under the radar over the last um, number of months because the Six Nations hogs the limelight and there aren't probably as many people watching the Leinster games, but he's been in really excellent form. He recontracted to, to stay a Leinster amid some interest from abroad and has made that commitment. So there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's very ambitious about about getting back into that green jersey. And Jack Cardi's very ambitious about hanging on to his spot and even putting a bit of pressure on on Joey Carberry as well. So it'll be fascinating to see how to manage the, the game. And they've got two different skill sets. We we know that like they're different players. And yet we've seen them both trying to push their games to round out. Ross Byrne, notably in the, the last couple of months, has been taking on the line more, making more darting breaks um, and looking a little bit more fluid um, in possession and, and throwing those passes uh, and Cardi continues to, to work hard in his defensive game on being really um, you know applying himself across 80 minutes and, and making strong decisions for his team so I think Farrell will be watching this one with keen interest the Interpros are always massive proving grounds not just for these two guys for a load of other guys someone like Joe McCarthy who's made that brilliant start to life with Leinster has earned pretty rave reviews from his short spell in, in Ireland camp and impressed everyone there with his athleticism and his application. But um, yeah, those two guys wearing number 10 are, are going to be key parts of it. And how that works out over the next few months and who the form players are coming into the New Zealand tour is going to be fascinating. Harry Byrne just got back in training this week from a rib injury. He actually played at 12 quite a bit over the last number of months with Leinster and was really good. It was good to see him get a bit of a run of games before that 
rib injury slowed him down again a little bit, but he looked um, particularly Im- impressive. And, and now Frawley's back at 12 as well. Another guy who's in that playmaking mix, mixing pot for, for Ireland and who you'd love to see get a cap because he remains Australian qualified. I've mentioned a few times, but I genuinely <laughs> think there's a bit of a danger there down the line if they don't if they don't get him involved because he's a guy with, with huge potential. So fascinating to see who kind of steers the ship most impressively. I know Ron O'Gara had some really interesting kind of tough love words for, for Jack Cardi in, in a piece with Kieran Kennedy on, on the 42 this week. If people haven't read it, I, I'd urge you to check it out where he felt, you know, Jack Carty's role in that hammering in, in Edinburgh was was um, a very apparent and, and that things like that probably haven't happened, he said, to, to other out-halves in, in, in Ireland contention. So that was fascinating from a guy who knows all about being the man in, in the number 10 shirt and having to battle for it as well. Yeah, it was. I think we'll chat about that a little bit with Birch as well on Monday. Uh, Roger's comments on how he sees the out-half picture. Call the game for us because we do need to talk about the women as well before we go. So um, with the onus on Connacht to actually get a result, will they get it? It's a really strong Leinster team. And if if I'm being realistic about it, I, I can see them going and winning. The, the desperation is a, is a key part of it for Connacht. Like you're fighting. It, it's a grand final. That's what Andy Friend called it. So... Yeah, we'll learn about Connacht in a grand final here this weekend. I can't wait to to watch the game, but I can probably see Leinster just edging it as they look to to finish strong in their season too. Now, to say that Greg McWilliams has put his stamp on this Irish team before the Six Nations would be a bit of an understatement. It's been a really interesting build-up to not only this game, but the Six Nations as a whole, in that he's obviously selected a new captain in Nicola Friday, but also that lineup is probably not what a lot of people would have anticipated. I'm thinking especially, obviously, of Bavin Parsons being on the bench. I'm sure she'll still play a role, but we had a conversation probably less than a year ago about how we see Parsons as being a poster girl for the sport. And in every sport, you have a few that you can almost put on a billboard and, and in terms of marketing and in terms of um, bringing a sport to people's living rooms, you, you do need a couple of uh, real star players or players with star quality that you can kind of hinge that on. And suddenly one of those players is, is uh, dropped as a bit too dramatic because there's seven implications here as well, I think, later in the tournament. But, I mean, she's not starting. It's interesting. And um, I just want to know what you make of that and what you make of Mac Williams' approach to this so far before we've seen a ball kicked, albeit. To be honest, um, Baven Parsons has been injured and I wasn't 100% sure whether she'd actually be involved in this game she's kind of just recently back and she is back full training she's fully fit yes he could have selected her to, to start so it is an interesting selection in that regard but she hasn't played a huge number of minutes um, in more recent times so uh, even yesterday Greg McWilliams referenced managing her minutes and I'd be shocked if she's not into the starting team and doesn't play a good stint off the, the bench so I think that is definitely part of it um, and at the same time like there's a really exciting back three there Amy Lee Murphy Crow, who you feel that Ireland 15s can still get more from she's been an utter sensation on the seventh circuit has done well in her, her 15s appearances so far only six caps and has scored lots of tries but she is an absolute um, attacking weapon and I think they can get her hands on the ball a little more often Lucy Mulhall obviously only had that one cap came into the qualifier competition played in the centre and it was 
tough circumstances for her and tough probably for people who've been playing in midfield for Ireland 15s over the, the last couple of seasons to, to see that happen. Now she goes again on the wing. And then Emer Constantine, fullback, is the most experienced member in the squad with only 23 caps, which sums up where Ireland are. Um, you know, it's an inexperienced team. As you say, it's very fresh looking. Everything is new. And McWilliams has made some, I suppose, brave decisions in that regard. Probably easier to stick with some of those senior players that he's left out of the squad altogether. Um, even the captain choice, Nicola Friday, is a really interesting one. She's 26, hasn't done a huge amount of captaining, but is is really well respected. Um, but as you say, someone like Parsons is, is a superstar. I think we'll see her making a big impact. And I do think we'll see her in the, the starting 15 um, later on the comp. As you say, the sevens, 15s, story and that divide is going to come up again because Ireland Sevens are going to Langford um, later on in the tournament there'll probably be players missing the last two rounds Greg McWilliams has already spoken about being a, a World Cup Sevens year but it just kind of brings up that story all over again for now though <laughs> they've got a really strong squad to select from and I like the look of the team it's impossible to know exactly how it's going to go um, I don't even think Ireland themselves have a a good idea of what it's going to be like tomorrow, but there's lots of mobility, skill and pace in that starting team. There really is probably equally interesting to Parsons being omitted, or probably more so now that you've kind of clarified the injury situation is Stacey Flood playing at 12 as well, which yeah. I'm just really, uh, I don't know what, like I'm, I'm kind of just excited to see how that goes, I guess, because we would have looked at her and earmarked her as maybe the, the future at 10, I guess, or like it was nice that Ireland had found a player that you could kind of depend upon at 10. And I'm obviously interested to see how Nicole Cronin gets on in that slot. But with that uh, potential for Flood to be first receiver, second playmaker and, and add her sprinkling of class, sprinkling of class in that position, I guess I'm trying to figure it out how, how it looks in my head and, and I just like the look of it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to seeing how it goes. Yeah, can't wait to watch that 10-12 combo. By all accounts, they've worked really well together in training. Stacey Flood is one of the best pastors in Irish rugby and I mean that across men's, women's, underage rugby. She's got a stunning set of vision and and the actual execution of some of those passes over the edge of the defence. So her one further out with a little bit of depth pulling back from from either behind Cronin out the back or, or behind a forward pod. It's going to be really interesting to see what she can create. She's got her own attacking thread on the ball as well. And I think Cronin playing at 10 makes sense. It's another new out half for Ireland. And we've been talking about this for so long, the chopping and changing there. But given that Flood is possibly one of those players going away to the Langford Sevens at the end of the Six Nations, it would make sense if Cronin is there for the entire championship. She's got a an experienced wise head on, on her shoulders. She hasn't been probably a, a prominent player more recently, but she's got 16 caps. She's been excellent at out half for Munster and UL Bowes. And she is an absolutely avid student of the game. Tactically, she's really sharp and smart. She'll drive the team. She'll make good decisions. And at times Ireland probably haven't done that in, in the recent past. They're, they're, they're kind of tactical playmakers maybe haven't always had full control over over the game. So I think that's a smart selection. And as you say, that 10-12 combo with the backs we've mentioned outside them, Eve Higgins at 13 as well. Like there's some serious firepower there. And it's like a, a massive strength if Ireland can start to really harness those attacking skills. What constitutes a good tournament for Ireland this time around? Bearing in mind it's the head coach's first tournament, bearing in mind that he may be looking at this as, oh, look, like Greg McWilliams is going to want to win as many games as possible but mm -hmm. also 
it is an opportunity for him to see players in that pressure cooker of international rugby and give players chances because, to be honest, the pressure isn't going to be on him instantaneously. This is the a new yeah. chapter or the start of. So what constitutes a good tournament within that context or bearing in mind that context? In terms of results, I think winning your three home games would be a, a good tournament. Actually, a, a, a very heartening tournament for Ireland. France, England away, really, really tough games, obviously. And it would be a massive shock if they win either of those. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if they potentially did slip up at home in, in a couple of these games. There's obviously three sides who are gunning for a World Cup and who are ahead of Ireland just based on that. Uh, Ireland are starting from from the low point, but I think they should be ambitious about those home games. Um, you're, you're right, there's not massive pressure there. I don't think someone like Greg McWilliams is, is going to be under massive pressure to win those three home games. There's an understanding that this is about the next World Cup, that it has to build from the ground up. And I suppose looking away from the results, the development of those players is is key to that. Someone like Avon Riley starting her or making her debut at nine. That's great to see. She's only 21 and came through Ballinus Low. What a production line they have going on in the club there. Same as, as Parsons and several others, even in, in the men's game as well. And she's one of the kind of new breed. I think it's exciting to see her play for Friday to grow into that role as captain. Uh, Dorothy Wall to continue to grow as a force that we've seen in, in Test Rugby. Um, uh, and that kind of development of the squad is, is really a priority as well. You're going to see Anna McGann and Chris, um, Christy Haney as well off the bench making their debuts and another positive. So that squad development and getting players up to the consistent level required in Test Rugby is is a key kind of aim for, for this group. But yeah, it'd be really nice if Ireland from, from their point of view could, could win th- these home games, particularly starting here with a win given the negativity and the low point that you're coming from. It just makes e- people far more likely to get on the journey behind you if you're picking up results and and as they said themselves entertaining people along the way and playing that enterprising brand of rugby that Greg McWilliams like that's his philosophy any of the teams he's involved with have been ambitious they've attacked at high tempo and I'd be surprised if we don't see that again yeah McWilliams is certainly an entertainer I think anybody who follows him on Instagram and has seen him have a uh, produce a few bars on the piano uh, if if he can apply that to his rugby philosophy or, or bring that out of this team, <laughs> I think it's going to be a really fun tournament. Just to touch upon Wales before we go, Murray, these weekend's opponents, obviously, but in the last, well, say over the last 12 months, obviously, they've been making a transition towards, let's say, professionalism, but, you know, partially, as in they're handing out a certain number of contracts and so on. It might be too soon to expect that to have made any difference, to be honest. And, um, based on what we saw of them actually in the last competition like this Ireland should win this game but I I don't know because like to be honest in women's rugby you look at all the changes that Ireland have made for example things can change very quickly actually so I'm not going to pretend that I I really know what's been going on in Wales over the last while I'm asking you for your insight there as to what we can expect from them as opposition this weekend Mm, it's fascinating to see how quickly the 12 retainer contracts that they've put the players on can can make an impact and whether that is a short-term thing. As I say, Ireland beat them 45-0 last time out. So there'll be that confidence there. They've brought back a couple of more experienced players into their squad, which will help given Ireland's relative lack of that. And they've got some superstars like Jazz Joyce out wide. Cannot wait to watch her play again. She's a finisher supreme, one of the most talented running backs I suppose in the game another one I'm interested to watch is um, Cecilia Tui-Pilatu off the bench 
she's still only 18. She's a cousin of Talupe Falatao and the Vunapola brothers. She's pretty new to rugby, but she's extremely athletic and they're unbelievably excited about her potential. So Ireland will need to find a second win to deal with her probably off the off the bench. But I, I genuinely do think that both these sides have a, a real element of the unknown about them this weekend. So that makes it all the more fascinating. And I think it'll go down to the wire for, for that very fact. Really, you think it'll be that close a game, even considering the dis- the disparity between them last year? Yeah, I, 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 I listen. I'd be pleasantly surprised if Ireland click into gear straight away on day one. They've got a new style to to bet in. They've got a new attacking shape that players are still getting to grips with. Obviously, new line out scrum. Um, I suppose philosophies from Dave Gannon and Rob Sweeney as well. So, and Neve Briggs obviously making it an impact and and being really well received by the players with the attacking side of things. So there's a whole lot to bet in. And like, listen, if they can start off with a smooth, cohesive performance, it would be unbelievably encouraging, but it's never really that easy, is it? So so Wales with with their World Cup ambitions as well and boosted by the organisation that's now happening, I would imagine will be improved. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to see how this plays out, even in the opening weekend. Obviously, Ulster going to the Stormers as well in the URC, Munster at home to Benetton. Is that tonight even in Musgrave Park? Yeah. Uh, we will chat about those with Birch on Monday and look back on all of the weekend's action. You'll be leaving us for a week though, Murray. Any plans for your week off? I'm actually almost relieved for you knowing that you're taking some time off looking at <laughs> how you've uh, put in such a shift over the last few weeks. What's the What's the plan? Yeah, a bit of a breeder um, and then back into it. Heading away with uh, Jen for a couple of days off to Sligo. So if anyone has any tips, I've never been there before. You mentioned that it's a lovely spot, but um, if anyone knows the best place for a pint of Guinness or a good swim, just give me a shout. Yeah, Murray at the 42.ie. Sligo is like the underrated county in Ireland, I think. it's uh, You'll have a great time. Uh, We'll miss you while you're gone, but we'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time. And for... Members, we will be back on Monday. Myself, Birch and Kieran Kennedy, who Murray mentioned earlier in the show, is going to join us as well. So have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy all of the rugby. Enjoy the Six Nations, especially, I think. And we will catch you on the flip side. Mind yourselves. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Then the first pass. Oh, 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 oh,